want you to go with me to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. I want to continue the series that the pastor has been bringing uh, throughout these uh, weeks, Bad Apples. How many have enjoyed that series? Amen. And so Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 11. And the word of God reads like this. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I need for you to speak through this weak vessel to this congregation. God, some have come here needing a word, a transforming word, a word that will lift them up. And so, God, I'm asking for the anointing right now and that you just bring your word and touch every heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. My assignment today within the series of Bad Apples is to speak about one of the seven deadly sins. And you know what they are, pride, envy, gluttony, lust, and greed. And the last one is slothfulness or laziness. Bear with me as I deal with this theme today. I, I don't come here to beat you up. I wish they would have given me another theme. But if it makes you feel any better, I'm going to level the playing field because all of us at one time or another have had to deal with this issue, with laziness. Do you, did you ever hear about that uh, patient that went to the doctor? And he said, doctor, I want a full examination. And once you give me that full examination, I want you to tell me the truth. What's wrong with me? And so they did the examination, a full examination. Doctor came back, spoke to the patient. Patient said, doctor, I want you to give me the full uh, diagnosis. Don't hold anything back. And the doctor said, well, are you sure you want me to tell you what's wrong with you? He said, yes, yes. And he says, okay, you know what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with you. You are just plain lazy. The patient looked at the doctor. Okay, doctor, now give me the medical term so I can tell my wife. There are some people in this world that go about their workday with enthusiasm, with joy, and they put forth their best effort in everything they do. Others do the least possible, they're slow as snails, they're apathetic and indifferent to work. What about you? Do you work with intensity 
or do you work with indifference? Or are you in between? 40 years of ministry that my wife and I just completed in the month of December of 2015. And you know, we met a lot of people in those 40 years. Some of those people marked us in a right way. Others didn't mark us in such a right way. And I can remember one case in particular, and it was about this family, and she was the one that worked, and she had to have two or three jobs in order to sustain the family, and her husband was a lazy, no good for nothing. <laughs> and you know, I would see her coming into the church, and she looked so worn out, she she looked so frustrated, so tired. And one day, I just got this holy indignation. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the Bible gives us a little space to be angry. And I got angry, and I called her over. I said, listen, I got to talk to your husband. This isn't right. He should be working. He should be helping to support the family. And she said, okay, I'm going to tell him, you know, to make an appointment with you. So he did make an appointment to come and see me, and uh, I can remember the day he came in, dressed sharp, I looked at him, he looked healthy, and so we sat down, we started talking, I said, hey, listen, you know, I'm a little worried about your wife, she works so hard, and she looks tired, and she looks frustrated, and, and, and she tells me that you don't work, <laughs> well, you know, lazy people, they always come up with excuses, amen, <laughs> and so he said to me, listen, Pastor, that I don't have any skills. I have nothing to offer to the labor force. And plus, I got a bad back. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, because you're a couch potato. That's why you got a bad back. <laughs> and so we started talking. And uh, I said to him, listen, I'm going to help you. We're going to get you a job. And don't worry about it. You know, it's going to be a job you don't need too many skills. And it's going to be a job where it's not going to bust your back. And so he bowed and said, it's okay, Pastor, I'm going to try. I'm really going to try. Say, great, we're going to do it. So he left. The very next day, his wife calls me. And I go, what's the matter? And she says, my husband is sick in bed with a fever. I go, what? Yeah, he's sick in bed with a fever. His back hurts. He's trembling. I go, but what's wrong with him? Well, when you told him he had to go to work. He got sick. And pastor, I didn't want to tell you, but every time somebody tells him he's got to go to work, he gets sick. I learned two things. One, laziness can be very detrimental to your health. <laughs> you ever seen a lazy person? Always sick, anxiety, depression. And the second thing I learned is laziness can affect the people around you. So it not only affected him, it affected his wife, his children, his home. And you know what? It affects the church too. Some people think that work is a curse. And they try to prove it biblically. Pastor, listen, Genesis 3:19. You know, with the sweat of your brow, you're going to have your food and be able to acquire food. So see, it's a curse. Pastor, work is a curse. 
I got news for you. You got to look at the context. God cursed the earth, not work. As a matter of fact, he gave work so that you can be able to eat. And then if you go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, the Lord placed man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Before the fall, there was work, people. So it's not a curse. Work is a gift of God. I said work is a gift of God. We express our uniqueness and creativity in work. You know, I'm not much of a carpenter. How many are carpenters here? Okay. As a pastor, you know, I had to learn how to use a hammer. I had to learn how to cut wood. I had to learn a little about, about framing. And you know, it, it, often, it always intrigued me to see a carpenter working. How many have seen that show, Fixer Upper? Oh, come on. You spend a lot of time seeing Fixer Upper. I do. I love that show. Chris and Joanne. And you look at Chris, and he's got this gift of carpentry, and he, he'll tear down a room. And, and, and then here comes Joanne with her creativity, her designing. Women are good for this. Women say amen. And so Chris, with his talent and his gift of carpentry, and Joanne with her design, you know, a creativity, what a masterpiece they put together. So work expresses our gifts, our uniqueness, our creativity. It's not a curse, and it honors God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Work honors God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whether therefore you eat, and boy, some of us can eat, drink, or whatsoever ye do, do it all to the glory of God. Listen, when we work, when we're diligent, we're glorifying God. Do you know we were created to glorify God? Somebody say amen. We were created to glorify God. And when you're diligent and you work, you glorify God. So a person who doesn't show effort, energy, or enthusiasm in his work is not honoring God. The Bible calls this type of person a sluggard, and the way he approaches life, he is known as slothfulness. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to make sure we are not slothful in our walk with the Lord because it has the potential to destroy all that we are. Listen, it has the potential to destroy all we are and all we seek to do to accomplish for the kingdom of God. Lazy people destroy the kingdom. And if they don't destroy it, there are obstacles to the king. Now listen to me. Let me clarify something. If you've had an accident and you're 
you're honestly sick. I can understand that may, you know, you might not be able to work. I'm not talking to those people. I'm talking to people that have all these abilities and all these gifts and this uniqueness, and they are lazy. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have to make sure we are not slothful in our walk with the Lord because it has the potential to destroy all we can do in, in the kingdom. You know, somebody said that slothfulness is like a landmine. When you step on it, it blows everything up. And that's what it does. God knows our hearts, and he warns us to guard our hearts and be diligent. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So this is a hard thing. This is a behavior. Laziness comes out of the heart. And the Bible says, watch out. Watch out. So how do we guard our hearts from laziness? There's some symptoms that we can see in a lazy person. First, procrastination. Mañana. Lo haré mañana. I will do it tomorrow. By the way, let me clarify something. There are lazy people in all cultures. Let me say it to this side. There are lazy people in all cultures. Don't you dare separate one culture and say, these people are lazy. I've had to fight that all my life, being a Hispanic. Because the stereotypes that sometimes we put on cultures, and it's not true. Every culture has lazy people. I'm a stickler for time. I try to be on time. And I've met white people who are late, the brothers that are late, <laughs> the Hispanics that are late. I've met them. So this is not one particular group, and I wanted to clarify that. You will find procrastination in all cultures. You know what their motto is? What can be left for tomorrow should not be attempted today. That's their motto. Mañana, later. They don't understand that today is the tomorrow they were thinking about yesterday. I'm going to say that again. Today is the tomorrow you were thinking about yesterday. But the problem with the procrastinator is today hasn't come for him. So he goes, mañana, tomorrow. I read this, so I wrote it down. Do what you have to do today because you don't own tomorrow. Therefore, to say I will do it tomorrow is to infringe in God's territory. When you say tomorrow and you're lazy, tomorrow belongs to God, not you. Wait till he gives you tomorrow, then you can do whatever you have to do. Until then, maximize your today for you might not have tomorrow. Amen. 
James says this, anyone who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, he is sinning. Hey, don't look at me that way. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> Lazy people sin. Procrastinators are committing sin before God. Another symptom of laziness, time wasters. They waste time. Two types of times, chronos, this one you got on your watch, and kairos. Chronos is that time that is marked, and it goes, and you can never redeem it. Kairos is God's time. It's when God is moving in a particular time, revival, the movement of God. You know what? Calvary is in the kairos of God. Oh, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. Calvary is in the kairos of God, the time of God. We got a great church here, people. We got a great vision, people. We got a great pastor, people. We got a great leadership team, people. And we got great people in this church. Come on, give yourselves a big one. That's the kairos of God. But Kronos, 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 52 weeks in a year, 365 days in a year, enough time to do the work of God. Don't waste that time. The other day I looked in the mirror <laughs> and I said, hi, Pop. I'm looking like my father. My wife says to me, you look like your father every day, more and more. And all of a sudden I realized I'm 66 years old. Where has time gone? Where's that hair I have? Look at the wrinkles. 40 years of ministry have gone by. Don't waste time. It's too important. Our time is limited. The lazy person is not a good steward of time. The Bible says redeem the time. Use it correctly. Victor Hugo said this, short as life is, we make it still shorter by the careless waste of time. So time is short. But if you misuse it, it's even shorter. David in Psalm 39, 4 and 5. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. That's how David describes time. Precious. It goes quickly. I thought my 92-year-old mother was going to be here today, but she didn't make it. I wish you would see my mother. She's a picture of health, does exercise every day. She can take her hands 
the bottom of her hands and, and, and bend and touch the floor. 92! I can do it! I can do it! Watch! But my mother doesn't bend her knees. You know, when you serve God, God gives you health. Come on now. When you serve God, God gives you health. Have you ever heard someone say, I don't have enough time? You know, I got a problem with that. Because then God committed an error. I believe we got enough time in 24 hours to do what we need to do. Go to sleep. Get up, work, take care of our families, and come to church on time. How many say amen? amen? So don't waste time. The lazy person wastes time. Another symptom, derelict on duty. <laughs> derelict on duty. Bible says, by much lawfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hand, the house drops through. Everything around him is crumbling and in shambles. Everything around him is crumbling and in shambles. You look at the lazy person. Look at the slothful person. He's in shambles. His matrimony's in shambles. His family's in shambles. His children are in shambles. Why? Because he's not responsible. He doesn't take care of the things he needs to take care of. He's not a priest of his home. Man, you're the priest of your home. That home is going to go the way you directed, mister. God has a sense of humor. When my wife and I get, got married, I didn't like children. <laughs> I didn't like them. That's why I avoided them. God has a sense of humor. He gave me seven. Five boys, two girls. I love my boys. They play football. And what I couldn't do in high school, I lived it through them. So they went, when they made a tremendous play on the field, that's my, that's my son. My name is Bonita. When they fumbled the ball, I would look back, that's their mother's kid. Not my kid. All five of them played football. Can you imagine a Sunday morning in the Bonilla house, getting ready for church? 14 shoes, five, 14 socks, five pair of pants, five underwear, five shirts, and then I had two girls, four pairs of shoes, whatever they wear underneath, <laughs> blouse, and a skirt. And if we lost one shoe, it was over for us. <laughs> one shoe! And we would look under the bed. We would look there, there, there. About a half an hour later, we'd find it under the cushion of one of the sofas. 
And then we were off the church, breaking all sorts of rules, angels hanging on. <laughs> My wife and I learned something. You can't be a derelict on duty. <laughs> so what did she do? Every Saturday night, 14 shoes, 14 socks, pants, skirts, and whatever. And when Sunday came, we were ready. A derelict, a derelict on duty will destroy his family, will destroy his home, because he's not being responsible with what God has given him. He's a dreamer. He's a dreamer. Ecclesiastes says, whoever keeps staring at the wind won't sow. Whoever daydreams won't reap. The desire of the lazy person kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all the day long. I am a strong believer in dreams and visions. How many have seen dreams and visions? Hey, by the way, how many have seen angels? Has anybody ever seen an angel? Oh, I don't like you. I've never seen an angel. I've always told God, God, I want to see an angel. Never see him. You that have seen an angel, what a privilege. But let me tell you about visions and dreams. They're the language of the Spirit. The Spirit speaks through us, through dreams and through vision. But you got to understand something. Just like the wise men, when they saw the star, they followed it. You have to follow those dreams. And you have to bring them from the abstract to the tangible. And with the help of God, those dreams that he has given you will come forth. Those dreams and visions will bring you to your destiny. You have a destiny. You're on this earth for a purpose. Amen? And so dreams and visions are the language of the spirit. A dreamer who is lazy lets his life pass right by him. His dreams never materialize. I speak to people like that all the time. They have these beautiful dreams, but they've never come true. Listen to me. You want your dreams to come true? How many want their dreams to come true? Stop sleeping. It's easy. You want your dreams to come true? Stop sleeping. Go after that dream. The Spirit is with you. You're going to reach your destiny. Hallelujah. I remember when, when I came to the Lord, when I was 21 years old, I was a mess. Believe me, I was a mess. Someday I'll give the testimony here. But God, when I got converted, started giving me dreams and visions of being a pastor, I said, are you crazy? Be a pastor. 
And you know, I can remember December of last year. After completing 40 years of ministry with my integrity. Oh, come on, come on, come on. You know, the heaviest weight a pastor has on his shoulders is integrity. And so as I'm sitting there in the service where they were honoring me, I was going, oh my goodness, the visions and the dreams that God gave me have come true. You want your dreams to come true? Don't sleep. Laziness, symptom, irrational fear. Irrational fear. The lazy person says, there is a lion in the street and he's going to kill me. When was the last time you saw a lion in the street? Please tell me. Or in the parking lot of Calvary. <laughs> Irrational fear is fear that makes no sense when you think about it. Irrational fear will paralyze you so that you don't exercise the gift and the talents God has given you. In the parable of the talents, you had three guys. You know the last one. One talent. And when the master came back, asked for the, what he had done with that talent, and he dared say, listen, I knew you were a hard guy. And uh, you sow where you don't reap. And so I was afraid and I hid my talent. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will cause you not to take those moments of opportunity that God brings your way. A lot of you sitting there through the years, God had brought opportunities to your life to do something great because God calls us to do great things. And the opportunity went right by you because you had fear. Irrational fear is the result of not loving God. I'm going to say that again. Irrational fear is the result of not loving God. Perfect love casts out fear. And then the lazy person rationalizes everything. He would work if only there were fewer obstacles in the way. He is waiting for favorable times. You know what the remedy for slothfulness is? And let me bring it home for a few minutes and then I'll get out of your way and you can continue your journey. There is such a thing as spiritual laziness. Somebody say amen. There is such a thing as spiritual laziness. Or more specifically, it is the failure to passionate. It is the failure to be passionate, passionate about what God is passionate about. So when you're passionate 
You're passionate about what God has a passion for. And God has a passion to have a relationship with you and for you to reach out to others. So the remedy for sloth is not easy or painless. It requires us to be brutally honest with ourselves, looking at our life and seeing where apathy and indifference prevent us from truly and deeply connecting with God. On the journey of faith, it means turning off the cruise control, getting off the smooth highway, getting out of the driver's seat, it is willing to follow him in the difficult path, the road less traveled. It is only when we are willing to follow him in the unknown, the unsafe, the unpredictable, the uncomfortable, the wilderness, that we learn what it means to trust God and to be in full relationship with him, Christ said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. Amen? Pick up your responsibility. Deny yourself and follow me. There's a responsibility. Ladies and gentlemen, there's work to do. And God calls us to do that work. Faith is the journey that requires us to give our entire lives, body, mind, soul, spirit to him. It is a journey that demands that we take up our cross and follow Christ. Take up your cross. And yet, in spite of the hardships and difficulties, we learn to rest in the promises of God. We learn to enjoy simplicity and rest we learn how to fully trust God. We become the people of God, the people he has made and called us to be by turning our lives completely, completely, completely over to him. Anne Lamott once wrote that God loves us the way we are. Hallelujah. Five foot four and a quarter. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. But she also writes, and he loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. Christian discipleship begins and ends with grace. But we have to be careful that we don't take grace for granted. This is what Dietrich Bonhoeff called cheap grace. This is a counterfeit grace, a false grace that far too many Christians are willing to slothfully accept, whether in apathy or busyness. You know, you could be busy and still be lazy, especially spiritually lazy. In accepting this false grace, we overlook true grace, the grace that cost Jesus, cost Jesus his life and ask us to give ours. Bonhoeffer wrote, grace is costly because it compels a person to submit. Grace is costly 
because it causes a person to submit. Submit to what? The yoke of Christ and to follow him. But Jesus says, take my yoke, it is easy, and my burden is light. So what's the remedy for laziness? Solomon says this, be diligent, hardworking, be a team worker, self-motivated, don't waste time, and make every opportunity a golden moment for you. Amen.